You know, clones, I love new companies with new ideas. As an example, Root Insurance. Now, what if good drivers did not have to pay for bad drivers? Root Insurance thinks that the old way of pricing car insurance is not right. It's not fair. So they developed a mobile app which measures driving behavior by removing bad drivers from the equation. That makes sense, right? That way, they save good drivers up to 52% in 2019 alone. So gone are the days where your car insurance rate is based on your credit score, your age, your gender, or your zip code. With Root, it's car insurance made easy using an app to base rates primarily on how you actually drive. Better drivers do deserve better rates. That's why the Root app uses driving behavior as the primary factor to determine car insurance rates. And in 2019, Root was the fastest growing direct insurance company in the United States. Clones, all you have to do is download the Root insurance app, drive normally for a few weeks during the Root test drive, and then see how much money you can save. Do not wait. Give Root a try. Head to your app store, download the Root insurance app, sign up in less than one minute, and start your test drive today. That's R-O-O-T, Root, R-O-O-T. Again, download the Root app. Or visit joinroot.com and learn more and see how much money you can save. It's not available in all states. Disclaimers may apply. Visit joinroot.com for details. You're killing us. And my wife was working and listening to the show. Well, she got so fired up, she called into the show under an assumed name. You proceeded to kill Long Beach State and hang up on her. Jim Rome, he hung up on me. I can't believe Jim Rome hung up on me. What's cracking? Welcome to another episode of the Jim Rome Podcast. This side hustle keeps firing away and the episodes just keep stacking right up. We are now well into our 100s and we continue to pump out the goods. This week is no different. For the first time since March Madness, we are going to get some college basketball in with one of my all-time favorite people. Our relationship goes back to the early 90s when he was coaching at Long Beach State and beating number one Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse between stops at the Thunderdome every year in Santa Barbara. He then moved on to South Florida for seven years before getting the head gig at Virginia Tech where he made it a habit of beating more number one teams and being named the ACC Coach of the Year. He's now in his eighth year as a college hoops analyst with ESPN. He is also the co-host of Courtside with Greenberg and Dockage Podcast. I'm proud to call him a good friend. He is Seth Greenberg. He is my guest for Ep 111 of the Jim Rome Podcast, which gets started right now. Seth Greenberg. Seth, my man, you have been killing it on ESPN for several years. Let me start right there. That makes me proud. Now, don't get me wrong, Seth. You were a hell of a coach, but you were destined for this sort of thing at some point when you were done coaching. I just feel like I saw it early on when I was trying to get you into the jungle as often as I could back to our days in the Big West. So I'm not surprised. I am proud. Bring me up to date, Seth. How you living? How's your Connecticut lifestyle treating you? Well, it's a little different. It's, you know, it's so different, Romy, when you're not coaching. Because, you know, when you're coaching, especially if you were in a college town like we were in Virginia Tech, the last place, uh, you know, you go to the supermarket, you know everyone. Your wife knows everyone. You're involved in different type of philanthropic things. You're involved in, you know, the campus community. Uh, you know, you're having an impact on people's lives. Now, basically, I think the only person I impact is a, is a gambler, maybe. I don't know. But uh, it's great. I mean, they've been very, very kind to me and give me a great platform and an opportunity. But you gave me my first platform. Uh, 
we always joke about it, but the, the time you were actually killing the beach in the Roach Motel, and uh, there was a fight that broke out between Santa Barbara and, and Long Beach State, and Karen Greenberg, my wife, member of the Bombay Club, which is no longer, I guess, existing, uh, called up. You hung up on her, and then about a week later, I was, uh, I was in a, a, a tour stop. And from that point on, a great friendship developed, and uh, you know, the opportunity you gave me to kind of just talk ball kind of kind of laid a platform in a lot of ways for what I'm doing now. So I, I really do appreciate that. And uh, life is good. You know, I'm undefeated for seven years, and I get the best seat in the house for the best games. And uh, it's, uh, it's pretty good. Not as much stress, for sure. Seth, there is so much good shit in what you just said. There's so much to unpack there. So let me just go back. For those who don't know, and I do want to talk about some of these things, but back in the day, like I, we have our big West roots, right? And I want to get to that later on, but since we're into it, I went to UC Santa Barbara. You were a coach at Long Beach State. Remind everybody how we came together because there was a pretty fierce rivalry between Santa Barbara and Long Beach. I mean, the fact that you and I are such good friends is so unlikely given where we started. Exactly what happened? Do you remember how we came together? Yeah, sure. Exactly how we came together. We were playing... Uh... Santa Barbara in the gold mine, uh, two very evenly matched teams, uh, Lucius Davis, uh, Dries Jones. Uh, <laughs> Santa Barbara was a very good team, coached by Jerry Pym. He was kind of the elder statesman. I was a young whippersnapper. We played in his, what you would call the Roach Motel, which is the old gold mine before the pyramid was built, and it was an absolutely brutal game. I'm talking about it was a rock fight. We were good defensively. They were good defensively. Baskets were hard to come by, and uh, – during one point of the game, it got to be a little bit of ruckus. Uh, I think, quite honestly, a Santa Barbara guy hit one of my guys behind the head. One of the guys from my team came off the bench, Sonny Alvarado. Both benches cleared. It went up into the stands. Jerry Penn standing there at half court with a towel. Of course, me, like being an idiot that I was at that age, I'm like right in the middle of it. I almost got my head taken off by Lucius Davis. Uh, so the game ends. We win on a, a big-time Chris T- uh, Tower three-point shot on a little roller place. And the next day, you are killing us, killing us on radio. On, I think it was 690. And you're killing us. And Karen was working. My wife was working uh, in Orange and was, was a huge fan of yours and listen, was listening to the show. Well, she got so fired up, she called into the show under an assumed name. You proceeded to kill Long Beach State and hang up on her. She, then she calls me losing her mind. Jim Rome, he hung up on me. I can't believe Jim Rome hung up on me. And uh, I called my SID and said, like, my man Rome, why is he killing us? I know he's a Santa Barbara guy. I, I need to get a chance to, to protect my team. And you invited me to a tour stop in Anaheim. And from that point on, I was supposed to come in for one segment. I think I came in for an hour. And uh, from that point on, uh, you know, I really appreciate your friendship and uh and uh, at that at that time, we became I became kind of a regular. I became your college basketball guru for a while there. God, that was so great! What a great reset, Seth! What a great reset by you. And just for the record, in terms of the Queen Karen, if I had known that it was the Queen, there was no way that I would have ever hung up on her. But she did call <laughs> it an assumed name, right? Much less exactly. the Queen and your wife, who was. In fact, became a member of the Bombay Sapphire Club. You mentioned that the club may or may not be any longer. Is Karen still a member of the club? Oh, she's for sure a member of the club. But you've probably moved on to bourbon and the horses and all that stuff. Yeah, I've kind of moved either on or sideways. I don't know, man. That's a tough drink, Seth. I don't know if you ever got to the club. I know Karen was a member of the club. Sapphire, over time, will take its toll. So I I didn't really move on. I kind of moved sideways. I kind of moved laterally. But I get it. I get it. All right, so... (laughs) 
you you and I, you mentioned that you don't know if you're impacting anybody except for the gambler. You know, it used to be like, man, you're killing our team, you're killing our team. Are you hearing from gamblers now because of the way that things are going with gambling and gaming? Well, you know, gaming's a bigger part of what we're doing here at ESPN. Like uh, today, I'm going on our daily wager to talk about the Kentucky-Georgia game and Ohio State-Maryland uh, game prior to that tip-off uh, before I do Sports Center before we do our wrap. So, you know, I don't hear from you. Know, you'll get you know the Twitter trolls that you know kill you whether you're right or you're wrong or you know you hate Duke or you hate North Carolina. You, you know, Coach K beat you a zillion times. Okay, I beat him a couple times too. Have a good life. Uh, you know, so you know you hear you hear from people. I mean, but. Uh, it, it, it's interesting. You know, when you coach, you really do have an impact on people's lives, uh, positively and negatively. Because, uh, you know, when you coach, let's face it, you've got to tell people no. I mean, you know, you're recruiting all these kids with the expectation that they're going to come in and play and have great careers, and some of them don't. And, and they're disappointed. On the other hand, you recruit some guys, and they, they work their tails off. They're successful on the court, off the court. They're playing in the NBA. They're successful parents and, and husbands. And, you know, that's really rewarding. You don't get that doing what I do. But I'll tell you what I do get. And, you know, the one thing about ESPN, yeah, they're going to work here, which I, I like the work, so that's, that's good for me. But everyone just wants you to have a good show. Like, you're not dealing with the AD. You're not dealing with, you know, uh, you know a booster trying to, you know, to, to pull the rug from underneath you. Everyone there, producer, director, researcher, people, you know, behind the scenes, they just want you to have a good segment. And, you know, it's, it's really good to be in an environment where, you know, people are pulling in the same direction. And uh, they've been so good to me. Uh, hopefully I've been as good to them. And it's been, a, a good, it's been a good marriage. So what I'm hearing from you, Seth, is you can trust people around you. Is that what you're saying? No doubt about it. Yeah, where, where like in coaching, you know, you're as good as your last game, as good as your last season. Like I won 25 games the year before I got fired. I mean, I, I, you know, the year before I got fired, I'd be, I, I, I'd be doing Carolina. You know, I started four freshmen my last year, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden we won 16 or 17 games that last year starting four freshmen, and I was too fiery. Well, I wasn't too fiery when we won 24 or 25. Mm. I was too fiery when, you know, we won 16 or 17. And, and by the way, the guy that's playing for the Clippers, Montres Harrell, he was already committed to us. My, uh, Dorian Finney-Smith was playing for us. I mean, that, that next year I would have had four pros. So, but, uh, you know, look, I landed on my feet and our life is good. Our girls are great. They're all grown, you know, getting grown up and, uh, and life goes on. And, you know, it's, you know, life is not what happens to you. It's how you deal with what happens to you. And, uh, I was fortunate that I could land on my feet and, uh, my quality of life is good. My health is good. And, you know, if the very right situation showed up, I might do it by the way, this year, the 25th, this will make us both feel old. the 25th anniversary of the opening of the pyramid is January. Wow. 18th. Oh. Wow. That, 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 that? that is insane. That is insane. Hey, listen, I mean, yeah, hell yes. You landed on your feet. You're doing great. You got a great quality of life. You got a great family, but you just touched on this, Seth. You just said if the right opportunity, is it still in the back of your mind? And what would you consider the right opportunity? You know, it's always, you know, Jim, it, it would be a huge change because I do have such a good life. If, like, like opportunity, first of all, if ESPN came to me and said, you know what, you know, your time has come, or, you know, you know, we don't think, we don't see you in a long-term future because, you know, I'm 64 years old. I feel great. I'm not 63 years old, I should say, but I feel great. I mean, I'm in great shape. But, you know, you always, you always wonder, 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm in so many practices. I, I spent a lot of time. Dan Dockage calls me the coach whisperer. I spent a lot of time talking to coaches about their teams, about dealing with adversity, about dealing with issues. Uh, I go around in the preseason and I visited actually your guy Chris Beard. Spent two days with Texas Tech and, and Coach Beard and uh, kind of did a little evaluation on their staff and their team and uh, gave a presentation to their team. So I get a little bit of a fix, but, you know, you miss competing. Like, you, you, you miss winning, losing putting together a plan like I, the plans I, I react to our plans that our producers put together. You, on the other hand, what you do each and every day, you put together a plan and then you try to see if that plan can touch people and get people to respond and react. Now, I, you know, I'll do that in say a get up segment where, you know, something will come up and I'll, you know, I'm not afraid to say what I feel. I mean, and I'm passionate about my opinions, but you know, the, the opportunity to see if I can put together a plan what, uh, and, and win it again at the highest level it's always in the back of your mind. It's not something that I'm running to do uh, because I do have a great group of people I'm working with, and I've got a great place here and uh, in terms of at ESPN, and I've got a great platform to talk about the sport that I'm passionate about. So it would have to be something really special. And, you know, it's like anything else, synergy. you got to have the president, the athletic director, and yourself with the same vision. If you don't have those three things aligned it, eventually it's going to fall apart. You know, so, I mean, you you know, that that would be the only way I would even consider it because if you don't have those three people working in the same direction and the schools, you know, like anything else, investment equals expectation. Like, you know, if if people want to win, there's, going to, there's an investment that it takes to win and all the resources around it in any business, in business, in life, in a relationship, in, in, in doing your show every day. I mean, if you don't invest in the time, I, I've seen you work and prepare. I mean, People have no under, understanding of how much time you put into what you do to get the product you get. So there's a lot to it. Let's put it that way. Now, I appreciate you saying that, Seth. You're right. And I think what you need, among many other things, is an AD who does not say, you know what, you're too fiery. We're going to go in a different direction. Uh, anyway, that, that was then. This is now. But that's still unbelievable to me. You know, I agree with Dakich, Seth. You are the coach whisperer. I've always been fascinated going way back to when we first started to talk about the way you can break down coaches and the way they see things, and the way they do things, the way they relate to things. Like Chris Beard, who you mentioned, you were in Lubbock right after I was there this past summer. I'm curious, what was your time like with Chris Beard, and what do you make of the miraculous job that he's doing at Tech? He's one of the unique guys in coaching right now. Uh, he is so passionate about what he does and the people he does it with. Um, you know, what Chris is, you know, he, he's Saban-esque in that he's consumed by the process, for sure. There's no doubt about that. But his messaging to his team, his ability to touch his players, his ability to uh, reach out to different guys in different ways, to, to make sure that guys understand what's expected of them, because what he's expecting of them is no different than what he's expecting of himself. His, his capacity to work is insane. Now, he's driven to win but he's driven to impact lives. Like, here's a perfect example. Uh, you know, I, I did my presentation to the team and, and a, a PowerPoint and talking about what they did. And then they played the Madison Square Garden for the Jimmy V. So Chris and I had a chance to spend some time before practice. This is Chris Beard. This is, I don't know, there's another guy. So he gave each of his players different assignments to basically one guy had to research Jimmy V. Another guy had to research what the V Foundation does. One guy had to research and present to the team something about 9-11. Uh, someone else had to research the history of Madison Square Garden. Like, like his ability to 
um, teach and let those guys have a perspective and context of what they're doing, where they're doing it, when they're doing it, and how they're doing it is phenomenal to me. I mean, it, it absolutely is phenomenal, and he can coach. Now, I do worry about him a little bit in that the dude does not sleep. So, like, I'm there for two days watching practice and then watching film with him and, and you know, grabbing dinner. Well, it's like 1 o'clock in the morning the second day, and he's still – going through practice now he's had a kid that's basically uh did a poor job being alert defensively probably in the first hour of the film we were watching probably about eight or nine times and uh you know he's marking each one and you know making sure that so that that kid has a chance to see it the next day which is great but eventually i said to him, i said chris there's about an hour left in the practice i said what are you looking for he said i, I want to make sure we get every single time at you know, Morrow doesn't, isn't alert off the ball. I said, you have 10 already. I said, like, you got that problem solved. Like, uh, coaching's about fixing problems. Yeah. Right? you got to go and present that to him. But he's so infatuated about every single detail. But he also has a tremendous joy of the game, his team, the moment. Like, I was in a locker room after they, they beat Louisville. I mean, the joy that he had in that moment through – watching his team perform and play was just phenomenal. He's just a, he's a unique, special guy who's a, got a gift to communicate and message and connect with people. I think you're right, and he's got a joy for that community, and obviously they love him, as you might imagine. Oh. You know, Seth, one of the guys that way, way, way back in the day when you were, I mean, you probably were still at Long Beach, and one of the guys you used to talk to me about, you know, just kind of like on the side, you'd say, man, let me tell you about a guy, Tom Izzo, this guy, man. This, there is so much to like about what he does, now he goes about it. I'm curious right now, Michigan State had that big win over rival Michigan last week. So when you watch Michigan State and you watch Tom Izzo right now, what do you see? I see him. I think the most important thing I see is there's joy back at Michigan State. You know, with everything that Cassius Winston went through this season, losing, losing his brother the way he lost his brother, Michigan State basketball is a real family. I mean, they, they, you know, you can't coach your team the way Tom coaches his team without really connecting with your players, being there for your players, spending time with your players. I mean, Cassius Winston and Tom's relationship went from his freshman year to where he is now is incredible. But about two and a half weeks ago, and Tom is one of my dearest friends, I was, I was told about two and a half weeks ago, and just, I, I just called to check in on him because – you could see everything that was going on. And uh, I go, you doing all right? He goes, I'm doing great. I said, well, that's good. I said, why? He said, well, Cassius came in today, and there was a smile on his face, but it was real. And that smile on his face permeated throughout the rest of our team because they said, you know what? We can see him with some joy, so now we can get back to having joy. Now Tom could go back to coaching his team because it was hard coaching his team after, after Cassius's brother passed. Because I mean, it puts everything in perspective, obviously. I mean, you know, so right now in this moment in time, the joy is back at Michigan State. Uh, Tom has weathered the storm. He's got an incredible relationship with his guys. No team improves more probably than any team in the country as the season goes along. He's big on that time between finals at the end of the first semester and the start of the second semester. They always get better. He is, uh, he's hard, but he's like the, down deep. The dude's a marshmallow. Like, down deep, he's the most genuine, warm, sensitive guy you'll ever meet. He just cares so much. He gets consumed by caring so much. Uh, 
they're in a very good place. And it's so good to see Cassius, who I got to know really well. Actually, the week before the tragedy, I went uh, to Lansing and spent the full day with Cassius and did a, a piece on him, which we haven't run yet because of everything that went on. And uh, he's an incredible, he's an incredible kid. And that just, yeah, I, I got I got all emotional watching him in the Michigan game because you could see when he came off the uh, out of the game and and gave Tom a hug, just that was the joy and the the, every, the burden of everything was off his shoulders. So Tom is a special guy. There's no one more genuine, more genuine than Tom is on college coaching. No, I, I get that, and I, I agree with that, Seth. I had him on the show for the first time in quite some time, and you could tell he, he was happy to be back. I was happy to have that conversation. Just like I had Hug on today, and Hug was giving it to me, too, about, like, you know, hey, Romy, we haven't done this in a long time. I don't really know why that is, Romy. And then when I, when I mentioned Chris Beard, because they're playing them this weekend, and then I was down there, he's like, oh, so uh, I'm curious, Romy, uh, how did that go for you in Lubbock? How did they respond to you? Like, like Hug is the same way. It was so good to have him back. Like, like Seth, you and I, I could do this for hours with you because I mean you are the coach whisperer as an example all right how about this I spoke to Mark Few earlier this week now way 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 back in the day way back in the day when he first got that gig and he was starting to get some attention you said to me also about Mark Few go let me tell you about this guy people are trying to set him up as some of this laid back fly fishing (laughs) guy and he is that and he is that but you said to me let me tell you about this guy this dude is fierce this guy is a fierce competitor and he can coach now now, you called that way back then, but let me ask you this. I mean, I'm watching him now. If I had said to you 20 years ago when you and I had those initial conversations that he would build what he has built and still be there doing it at the highest level, would you have seen that coming? What would you have said back then? Well, I would have said he would be there because one thing about Few is he's comfortable in his own skinny nose. He doesn't mess with happy. I mean, I mean, he, that, he belongs at Gonzaga. You know, you could say he belongs at Oregon as well. He's an Oregon grad. But he's found a happy place, I think, which is important. And he understands that, and he's not messing with happy. So I think that's important. Now, in terms of the success they had, I'm not sure anyone could predict what they've been able to build. I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, they just got another recruit, a top-five recruit. They beat everyone in the country. He's, not, he's, a, he's a great tactician. He doesn't get caught up in the, in, in the minutiae. He he recruits to guys to, that can play for him, which is the most important thing. Don't you know? Don't get seduced by talent, but get seduced also by character and and fit. Um, he's created this pipeline, obviously with a uh, pipeline with Lloyd to to get these kids from overseas, which is incredible. But like the one thing that hasn't changed, and I said it to you, like I remember you go, oh, he's a great guy. He's, he is a great guy, but that dude will cut your jewels off. I mean, he is a fierce, fierce, fierce competitor. You know, he looks like the kid next door. He might be Eddie Haskell. (laughs) Essentially what you said back in the day. Essentially what you said back in the day. As long as I have your attention, let me talk to you for a minute about something we talk about all the time. And it's the one thing that health experts, dietitians, athletes, even top performers all seem to agree upon, but we can't figure out exactly what the answer is. The answer to the perfect diet. That's because it doesn't exist. Even with a balanced, healthy diet, it can be so hard to cover all your bases through food alone. This is why there is Athletic Greens. The Athletic Greens Ultimate Daily All-in-One Health Drink has got 75 proven vitamins, minerals, and whole food source ingredients, which make it easier for you to get the comprehensive nutrition without the need for a ton of pills, powders, and complex routines. 
In short, it is the most complete supplement for a better you, and it is different from everything else I've tried. It's different because it's delivered in powder form and it's mixed with water. Athletic Greens requires fewer capsules. It has superior absorption. It does not include any binders or fillers. In fact, one scoop of Athletic Greens provides a convenient, affordable, and delicious solution to fill the gaps in your diet. So if you're looking to boost energy, strengthen your immune system, or support gut health, this is the product for you. Athletic Greens takes the guesswork out of everyday good health. Try it. Jump on over to athleticgreens.com slash Rome and claim my special offer right now, 20 free travel packs. They're valued at 79 bucks with your first purchase. Go on over to athleticgreens.com slash Rome, athleticgreens.com slash Rome. I'm so fascinated, Seth, by like Tony Bennett, right? I'm looking at this guy. I understand that appearances can deceive. I'm not sure I've ever seen a big-time coach in any sport, on any level, look and act like that guy, especially in such a cutthroat business. I mean, what's the first thing that pops into your mind when you see Bennett? The dude's amazing. I've never seen – I right. poise is the first word. Yep. Uh, now, he's fiercely competitive, and he's tough as could be. I mean, yeah, again, another guy that don't like that look – fool you forget about the no tie and and how damn handsome he is and and uh you know how poised he is on the sideline you know, the, he's got a little tony dungy in him you know in terms of the fire that's burning inside of him uh he knows exactly who he is and how he wants to play now he, he got away from that a little bit last year because they were more talented but he's got a, a blueprint and a plan of how he wants to play another guy that's not going to take any shortcuts but fiercely competitive, a terrific teacher. I've spent a lot of time going down there and watching him practice um, since I've been out of coaching. And consistency, is a, I think, is a really big thing. You can't be a chameleon and connect with kids today. So, like, they've got to know who you are and who you're going to be every single day. Or, be, or they're not going to be able to, to respond to you. And, you know, I, I think one of his great quotes is, uh, sometimes you have to learn to lose before you learn to win. And, like, the lessons you learn from losing obviously makes that journey to winning possible. So uh, he's an amazing guy, Uh, you know, similar in in a lot, uh, you know, deeply spiritual. But you you can be spiritual and be tough. (laughs) You can be spiritual and be fiercely competitive. You can, you know, you you don't have to drop 15 F-bombs to get your message across. Uh, His players know when... He's disappointed in, in, in their effort, their attitude, their, their execution, uh, and no means no. It's like parenting. He just does it in a different way. Some parents, when a kid disappoints him, they scream and yell. Other guys just say, you know what, a reaction has a consequence. Tony Bennett, you know, if a player does not perform the way that they're expected to, there's a consequence. But he's not going to be too high. He's not going to be too low. The, the dude's amazing. Uh, now, look, I think they are awful offensively this year. Like, uh, I mean, just awful offensively. And, you know, they'll figure out a way because they'll be good enough defensively. This team's a lot like his Washington State teams that were so good. Right, right. Let me ask you about one more guy, Seth. Remember when you were talking about how everybody here just wants you to have a good show, and whereas, you know, it used to be when you coach, you set the plan and you dictate things. Here the producers have a a large say in things. You were part of a bold prediction segment recently, and your bold Mm -hmm. prediction was that Bill Self would leave Kansas for San Antonio in 2020. Listen, I know how this stuff works, right? I mean, you're going to say what you mean, and you'll mean what you say, but let's remember it's, quote, the bold prediction 
prediction segment. <laughs> and the producers wanted a bold prediction. So when you said that, were you kind of playing along and giving them what they wanted? Or could you see something like that really happening at some point? You know, Bill, you know, took a little swing at me in his press conference, and that's fine. And it is a bold prediction. So, I mean, I mean, if you're going to take a bold prediction. So, let me tell you, could it happen? I don't know. Let me tell you, FBI is investigating Kansas' basketball program. All of a sudden, Kansas goes on three years probation. All right, Bill Self gets a, a show cause. You think Bill Self is, and he's no longer employed at Kansas. He's a heck of a coach. I mean, not a good coach. He's a great coach. He's creative. He connects with people. He's a great communicator. He's tough on his players, but he says it in a good way. He's a guy that could go from college to the NBA, I think, seamlessly. Uh, you know, Pop can't coach forever. Can't coach forever. That's just the way it is. They're going to have to find a replacement. Is there a natural replacement for Pop? No, there isn't. I don't think there's a natural replacement on his bench. Bill Self has a relationship with R.C. Buford. I mean, so if you put a bunch of things together, you say, could this happen? Will it happen? I don't know. But could it happen? Sure, it could happen. And Bill could deny it all he wanted. I understand that, and I respect that. And, you know, the only thing that ticked me off, he gave this line. He goes, well, you know, the media is just trying to, you know, create a firestorm. Bill, I coach for 36 years. You know, I'm a coach that works in the media. I'm not a media guy that's looking for a, another, you know, Twitter follower. Really, give me a break. <laughs> uh, so, you know, just relax. You're a heck of a coach, but the reality is this. You got a letter of inquiry from the NCAA. Your institution was in the FBI investigation. That's a fact. Or whether they're innocent or guilty, I don't know. I know only Bill knows and the investigators know. But that's a fact. So is Bill going to retire if something goes down and he's held accountable? No, he's going to continue to coach because the guy's a great coach. So why couldn't that happen? I also said that, that, that the Mavs would get to the finals of the Western Conference playoffs because I said three years ago that Luka Doncic was absolutely a killer. People don't listen to me then. They listen to me now. That's true. I don't think that's so far-fetched, what you said. I, I couldn't help but chuckle. Hey, Seth, you mean you don't say shit just to say shit to add three extra Twitter followers? That's not why no, you're that's, this? You know, like, I, I, it's funny. A long time ago, about two years ago, someone came to me and said, you know, you want to buy some Twitter followers? Mm. I said, you really freaking think I give a damn who's following me and who's not following me? I said, I couldn't give a, you know, rat's rear end. I mean, my thing is I'm going to say what I'm going to say. I'm going to have an opinion. It's going to be based on, obviously, a little bit of insight. I've done this for a while. You know, it's like in Bill's situation. Bill, you know, I'm not, you, you can say what you want. I'm not a media member. I, I, I know how to, this stuff works. Right? I know how to you know what the real deal is. Now, look, I hope he's at Kansas the rest of his life if that's what he wants to be. But, I mean, it is what it is. So, you know, I'm not going to say something to say something. I'm going to say something that, you know, if the producer asks me and he's trying to build a, a segment, I'll try to give him something that, you know, he thinks is, is worthwhile. So, you know, that's what it is. Also, I also said that uh, the Sixers would lose in the first round. And you know what? It, they might, because until I, I can see all the watch, all the video I want of Ben Simmons making jumpers in the summer, until he makes one in a game, all right, he's not a jump shooter. So Seth, don't do you to Magic, because Magic could pull up when people played soft and shoot that little push jumper, and, and he could make it. This dude won't even shoot it. He won't even shoot a 15-foot pull up. Seth, what do you think about that? The Sixers, and, and you pay close attention to the NBA game, obviously. So do you think they have that championship DNA, and do you think they can win a title with Ben Simmons? You know, here's my thing, Romy. They had a great win against the Bucs. Terrific mm -hmm. win. you got to validate wins. So they had a great win against the Bucs, and then they dropped four in a row. Like in the playoffs, you got to win. you you got to be up to be ready to play each and every night. And I know the playoffs are different, and I know it's an 82-game schedule, and I know – that it, it, it's easier said than done, that, that, you know, all you know, the burden on these guys' bodies and everything. But here's the deal. 
if you're the real deal, all right, then you know what? You're ready to play in this game. And, uh, you know, I, we did our podcast the other day with uh, Jeff Van Gundy, and, he, and I asked him, I said, what's the difference between the, really, the good teams and the really good teams? He said, really good teams do it every night. So, you know, are they, could they be a really good team? Yeah, they could be. Uh, I love the addition of Al Harford. I think Al Harford is a front-court version of J.J. Redick for their team, uh, a guy that brings consistency and toughness and is a pro. But until Ben Simmons shows – and, look, he's a fantastic talent. But can you win in the playoffs with a guy that can't shoot? It's just like in the NCAA tournament. I'm, I'm seeing teams that are shooting 30% from the three-point line and 40% from the two that are in the top ten. Can you get to the Final Four shooting 30 and 40? I don't think so. I don't think he can win an NBA championship with a guy that's playing 35 minutes a game with the ball in his hand that much that legitimately is reluctant to shoot a 15-foot pull-up. Seth, speaking of the Sixers, and I'm picking my spots here, I really appreciate you and your time. Uh, Speaking of the Sixers, obviously your older brother, Brad, back in the day was the GM of the Sixers, and I don't know where the time goes, but he was the guy responsible for drafting AI, Allen Iverson, number one overall. How did he and AI do? What was that time like for him? It was hard because AI was a load, but he loved AI in terms of his fierce competitive spirit. Like, you know, Allen was immature. Uh, he was uh, didn't understand at that point how to be a pro, except when the light went on. Like when the light went on, that dude was he would absolutely take your heart out. I mean, he was as competitive as like he said, his most competitive dude he's ever been around. He was probably fined more his rookie year than any player in the history of the NBA their rookie year because he didn't get it. He just didn't get it. Uh, you know, it was all new to them. Uh, they didn't have a very strong locker room. They didn't have a, uh, anyone coaching the locker room. They, you know, they were a, a, tra- a, a franchise in transition, and it was hard. But he, you know, it's funny. I saw Allen when Allen went into the Hall of Fame, uh, and first thing Allen came up, I introduced myself. He goes, "I'm telling you, I love your brother." Hmm. So I, I appreciate that he he felt that way because Brad was pretty tough on him, uh, but. Uh, that was a short stay, you know, with the Sixers with uh, Pat Croce. So that wasn't exactly the best. But uh, Allen Iverson, man, that guy, that dude competed. Whew. That must have been nice for you to hear, though, and for Brad to hear. You know, something you and yeah, I, Seth, sure. we have not talked a lot about is that you're a fairly Dickinson alumnus. Now, one of my favorite guys in the game right now is wild man Greg Horenda, who's the coach there. <laughs> what do you think of him as a personality and a character and the job that he's doing at your alma mater? Harvard on the Hackensack, man. Come on now. Yep, uh, he yep. is a, he's a character of all characters. Actually, I'm doing the Fairleigh Dickinson St. Francis Brooklyn game next week. Uh, awesome. St. Francis Loretto game next week to help uh, on ESPNU just as a favor and to do a little fundraiser for the university. Uh, he's a piece of work. I mean, it's what it is. I mean, he's a really good coach. But, I mean, like I, I, like I joked, the last time I did one of his games, he spent half of the time on the bench, half of the, uh, third of the time standing, and a third of the time talking to the people in the third row. I mean, it's the craziest thing you've ever seen. Right. But uh, they're struggling right now. They lost some really good players. But he's a good coach, and he's a good fit. And, uh, you know, his podcast is a classic. And, like, he's the greatest thing. He'll call me up for phone numbers. And then, all right, I'll get the guy to do his podcast. And then he'll – once he has the number, he suffocates those dudes. Like, finally, Jay Will said, hey, Seth, do me a favor. Tell the guy to lose my number. Right, right. <laughs> Get him but off me. But he's good people, and he's been really good for the school. And, you know, the school's still in transition. But uh, he's done a great job. 
done a great job, and he's a good people. Seth, really quickly, one last, one last quick stroll down memory lane. Now, you had some huge wins. You knocked off multiple number ones in your multiple stops, but I, I will never forget, I will never forget 1993 and seeing it scroll across ESPN when Long Beach State went into Allen Fieldhouse and took down number one Kansas. Absolutely shocked them. 64-49. That was a team coached by Roy Williams. It was his worst loss as a head coach at that time. Take me back. What was that night like? And what was it like walking off that court after that win from Long Beach State? Well, Robbie, you know the story on that. We played, uh, we played Pacific on a Thursday. Uh, took, was supposed to take the red eye uh, that night out to uh, play VCU to play a Saturday afternoon game. And our flight was delayed, delayed, delayed. We get to VCU literally like at, I don't know, 9 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. Uh, and we play the game, and we absolutely get beat by 100. Sonny Smith, actually, I was losing my mind. We were, it was just awful. Sonny Smith walked out to my end of the bench and goes, and I was, they actually dunked the ball. Kendrick Warren dunked the ball, pulled himself on the rim, uh, held on to the rim, no technical. There's about a minute left. I'm going crazy. We're losing by 100. And Sonny walks from his bench all the way down to my bench and goes, Seth, now you don't want to get thrown out. You're getting your butt whooped right now. Just let, let's get over with this thing. Wow. <laughs> all the Sonny could do. So we lose right. that game. We go to, we go to Lawrence on, on, uh, on that Sunday. I practice the crap out of our guys. I mean, I had, I had Lucius Harris and Brian Russell and Chris Tower and Jeff Rod. We had a good team. And, uh, and we came up with a plan of uh, basically spreading them out, making them defend. Uh, we were very, very good defensively. And the, the great story of the thing is, so uh, we're up we're up like 16 in, in the first half, and we come out making shots, defending, they can't score. So our, our trainer at the time was a guy named Dan Bailey, who was a great legendary guy that has since passed. And second half begins, and at 16-minute mark, we're up about 14 or 16, and I'm come out of timeout, I lean over to Bales. He was kind of like my, my Yoda. I said, Bales, what do you think? He goes, we're in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. It's a lot of time left. Thanks, Bales. Appreciate the confidence. <laughs> come out to the next timeout, 12-minute timeout. We're up like 18 now. So, uh, and I go, Bales, what do you think? He goes, uh, you know, we better continue to get stops. You know, this place, they're always, they always make runs. I said, good, Bales. Thank you. Appreciate it. I'll keep working. <laughs> Good looking out. All right, eight minute of timeout. The same thing. We're up. We're up a pretty decent amount of number. He goes. He goes. He goes. We got to win the next four minutes. Like you know, it's imperative. But we're not going to win this game. And I looked at him. Like, Jesus, we're up like sixteen points, Bells. So finally, last timeout. It's four minutes left. I don't even ask him. I said, "Screw Bells. I'm not. I'm not even asking him. We're up like fifteen points. I'm kneeling down in front of the team. He taps me on the shoulders. He goes, "Well, you relax. We have to sing the bag." <laughs> great. And uh, but it was it was funny because before the game, and if you've ever been to the Foggy Island Fieldhouse, it's an incredible scene. I'm, I'm in the hallway of the tunnel looking in, and they're doing through their their you know their all the gyrations they do before the game. It's like a theater show. It's unbelievable. And you're like, oh, I just hope we don't get our ass kicked. I mean, we had a good team. We had a good plan. I, you know, I think our kids were competitive. We were, you know, we were ready to go, but um, and that was before cell phones. So I mean, first of all, walking off the court, like it was just an incredible feeling. I still remember looking up after I did the radio show and looking up. There were like three or four Kansas people in like the bleachers with their hands in their head, like, like going, "Holy crap! How did this happen?" And I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But uh, it was great. Went back to the hotel, the old Howard Dome in Lawrence. And, uh, you know, my phone started blowing up with, you know, different requests. And, uh, 
it was a great feeling. And, you know, again, you set the standard. You know, the standard is standard. That team ended up going to the NCAA tournament. That team, you know, was really a good basketball team with incredible guys on that team. And uh, it was a great feeling. And, uh, you know, fortunately I was able to do that to Carolina and Duke and, you know, three other times. When You, you know, when you win a game like that, you go into someone's arena and, and, and win when no one expects you to win. You know, that's what I was talking about, having a plan and seeing if you can execute that plan. There's nothing better than that feeling. Uh, and, you know, the big thing is it's something no one can ever take away from you. Lifelong, lifelong. All right, so we started this, so let's end it like this. We start off by talking about that time you guys started that war at the Roach Motel <laughs> by hitting one of our guys in the back of the head. You know, it's it, it was such a great time, Seth. The Big West back then, like, I, the fact that we were part of Big Monday, the fact that Long Beach, UCSB, New Mexico State, even Utah State, Pacific, I mean, this was a pretty good conference that was always on the verge of sending multiple teams to the NCAA tournament. I talked about what it was like to go into your building, the Thunderdome, man. When that place rocked, it was something else. What do you remember about bringing your squads into the Thunderdome at UCSB back in the day? What was that like? Oh, it was unbelievable. I mean, it was an absolute – that place would just rock. That thing was so loud. You know, we would roach motel. That was a tin box, let's face it. I mean, like, you know, I mean, that's all that was. was, That was was basically a warehouse that they put a court down in the middle of. Come on (laughs) But uh, it's true. I mean, the, that place got so loud. And I, you know, the one thing I always wish I did, you know, after you guys would always score the first basket, they throw the tortillas out. Right. I always wanted to one day just pick up a tortilla and eat it. Right. Right. You could have. It was a great rivalry. I mean, they had good players. We had good players. Uh, both teams played really, really hard. Uh, you know, Jerry and I got along great. I mean, uh, but they, you know, there were great rivalries in that league, and we had a great rivalry with New Mexico State. Uh, you know, obviously Vegas was the standard, but everyone else had a pretty level playing field, so the games were really, really competitive. And uh, you know, playing at playing at uh, Santa Barbara was always uh, the games weren't games; they were events. And and that's the sad thing about the Big West is that like you know we we packed the pyramid, Santa Barbara packed, you know. Uh, uh, that the Thunderdome, the Thunderdome uh, yeah. you know, there were there were you know, New Mexico State had great crowds. Utah State, the Spectrum was rocking, uh, and I'm not sure they have it anymore. And it's too bad because there's you know the potential to have good basketball in that league is really good. And then finally, you talk about packing arenas. How about the uh, Thomas and Mac? I mean, eighteen thousand. Like Seth, I'll never forget what it was like when UNLV was competing for and winning the national championship while repping that conference. I mean, it was insane. Like Grandma, Greg Anthony, Stacy Ogman. These guys would roll into the Thunderdome, and it was like the Lakers had come on campus. It was amazing. What was it like when they rolled into your little Roach Motel that you used to play in? What were those days like? Well, I think the the, the, the that year that we had the fight, we also played uh, them in the, the old Roach Motel. This was after Stacey Augman, because we played them at, at the sports arena when when that team was there. But when Rowley took over, we moved the games into the gold mine. Yeah. And I still remember J.R. Ryder, and we had Lucius Harris and, and, and Brian Russell. And it was a really big game. And uh, sitting behind my back bench was Jerry West and about 8,000 NBA executives in, you know, all, what, 1,700 square, 700 people that were at the game. And and we win the game. We hold J.R. Ryder to four points, his lowest out point as a college player. We doubled him on every catch. We denied him the ball. And we win the game. And the greatest story about that game is so after the game, you're shaking hands and, you know, in the line. And, uh, and I knew J.R. Uh, some. He, knew, he was friends with some of the guys that we recruited. 
And he goes, Coach, why do you double me every time I caught the ball? The logo was sitting right behind your bench. All he cared about was that the logo was sitting behind his bench and he couldn't get a shot up. Oh, that is awesome. That, that is so J.R. Ryder. Man, I miss that guy. I miss that guy. Oh, it was great. But that, the, league was, the league was great. And Tark, you know, Tark basically set the standard. That's what people understand. Tark basically said, if you want to compete, you've got to change the way you do business. And you've got to, you've got to invest in your programs. And, uh, and he helped all those programs in that moment in time raise their profile. Seth Greenberg. Seth, you and I, I, I could do this for days and weeks, but I am so <laughs> glad that we got caught up. And listen, I understand. I, I respect your time. I respect content. I respect the shows. I respect the podcast. You've got a million things going on. So thank you so much for all of that time. Give my best to the queen. I'm not spending a lot of time in the Bombay Sapphire Club, but if I see Karen soon, I definitely will reconnect and re-enter the club. And man, you sound great, Seth. I'm really proud of you. And I appreciate, appreciate friendship. You, hey, you're the best. Anytime. Clones. Now, what do we want when we're craving protein or we need more energy? I think I can answer that by telling you what we do not want. We don't want bars or a sugary snack or another energy drink. No, this time, get beef. Pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled. Dry tasteless old trapper beef jerky is made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire so it's tender and it's tasty it's not tough it's not disgusting and what makes it so good i'm gonna say it's the company behind it old trapper is a 50 year old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality old trapper is packed with protein it comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings quality smoked meat at its finest, which goes with you wherever you go, to the game, to the gym, to the beach. So look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, be sure to ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? No joke. That was an absolute blast. That was so fun. And if you couldn't tell, that is a long-time friendship that I really do appreciate. So enormous thanks to my guy, Seth Greenberg, for coming by and chopping it up the way he did and throwing it back on the pod. And how great was that story about our very first encounter that he reset? See, this is what the pod is for, for storytelling. And I've got stories for days because I've got episodes for days. And there is no quit in the side hustle. So make sure you get subscribed, leave a review, tell a friend. That's the trifecta right there. And thank you in advance for doing so. Episode 112 is coming up next Wednesday. But until then, here are your voicemails. First new message. Hey, Romy, it's Robin, your favorite flight attendant. Hey, man, talking about the tour stop. Hell yeah, we want him to come in, especially all the lady clones out there. But, Rome, you're getting a little too upscale for all of us, right? We're scrappy as clones out here. So come to St. Pete. We'll show you scrappy in a first-class way. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Hey, Rome, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. Tough way for the Bills to end the season, but I got to say this. I think Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean are building a really good team. I think there's a lot of positives to take out of the 2019 season. I think Josh Allen grew a lot as a quarterback. Let's hope Brady leaves the Patriots, and I'm telling you one thing. The Bills are going to be the kings of the AFCs for years to come. I'm out. Message saved. Next message. Romy, Justin, and Melbourne. Hey, Buffaloes, Bills Mafia, let me shoot you straight. That defense 
is great enough to win a Super Bowl, but that offense, that's not good enough to win a playoff game. Message saved. Next message. This is Ken in Milwaukee. I just want to thank the people in California for such a great time in California. I haven't been to that state since 1982, and the people were just fantastic. I just want to thank everybody from Long Beach to Pasadena to Los Angeles for all the great times. I hope you get the same hospitality when you come to Wisconsin. You're always welcome up to St. Germain and Vilas County if you ever get up that way, Jim. And I just want to ask one question. If you had any of those great brats they had at the Rose Bowl, they had brats with sauerkraut, not only with sauerkraut, but jalapenos in it. It was absolutely fantastic. Hope to see you sometime in Eagle River. Thank you much, Jim. Message saved. You have no more messages.